Exploremore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. like to say thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, do please write to alecjan at gmail.com and do write podcast in the subject line. Thank you. Chapter 7, A Local Welcome, 27th of February to the 1st of March, 1977, Algeria. Ten miles south of Medea in Algeria, Having driven two hours from the capital, we parked for the night on a grassy triangular plot of land that bordered a curve on the mountain road. A radiant golden sunset silhouetted the jagged outline of the Atlas Range. It was not long after we had set up camp that there was a knock at our back door. Bonjour, monsieur and madame. Hello said Alec as he pushed open the heavy door and saw a young lad standing there. Je m'appelle Ali, he introduced himself. Comment allez-vous? Où allez-vous? Je vis là-bas dans la vallée à la ferme. Steady on. I don't understand. Non compris. Alec replied. Conversation stopped and the friendly boy went away. Alec, would you like rice with the fresh fish we bought today? I inquired. Sure, and some of that crusty bread we found at Medea. Okay. I prepared the meal as Alex studied the Michelin map for North Africa. He reviewed and marked the 200 miles driven that day and tracked the route ahead. We should make it to Lagur tomorrow. Do you reckon? I responded. How soon will we reach the Sahara Desert? Several more days yet, but there are a few interesting towns to explore on the way. Dinner was ready to eat. Open the door, Alec, and let the steam out, please. Phew, the cooker soon heats it up in here. When Alec pushed the door open, he was surprised to see the young lad had returned with an older teenager. They said nothing, just handed him a dish of freshly cooked fish and a basket of bread. We gasped in astonishment. But our dinner is ready to eat. What shall we do? I puzzled. We can't eat both meals. We'll have to give it back. But they might be offended, Alec commented. The lad stood by the door and quizzically watched as Alec and I tried to be diplomatic. We were frustrated at not being able to explain our predicament in their language. We'll just have to return it, I decided. Think of their family. They may have little for themselves if they've shared out their meal with us too. I showed them our cooked meal and tried to make it plain why we had to return their food. Their cheery faces turned glum as they received back the laden dish and basket. Au revoir, merci, Alec and I chorused together as they walked away into the darkness. We had been looking forward to our dinner, but every mouthful then seemed tasteless and hard to swallow. Our meal progressed in silence and our hearts were heavy at our unwelcome response, the first real contact with the local people, and we'd goofed. Coffee? Alec nodded. 
Not again. Our visitors had returned. This time they presented us with coffee. They handed to Alec an engraved copper tray raised on four tiny legs. On it was black coffee in a thermos flask with sugar lumps nestled in a flowery dish plus two tiny china cups and saucers. Merci, merci. I gratefully smiled and invited them to climb inside the Land Rover as we moved along our bench seat to give them room to sit. The lads joined us hesitantly but stayed for an hour. We drank their coffee and they drank ours. Communication was possible using a pencil and paper to draw pictures for one another and our French dictionary came in handy too. As they learnt something about us, we learnt much about them. The handsome lads looked young for their age. The eldest was 18 years old, a car mechanic at Medea, whilst the youngest, Ali, was a 14-year-old schoolboy. Seven siblings, all told. Their father worked in the oil fields near Sidi Bel Abyss and drove a Land Rover too. An older brother was in the police force. Their disabled mother remained at home, which was just across the road. We even discovered they had a television powered by a car battery. They left smiling and we were relieved to have been given a second chance. To top it all, we've even made plans to meet again the following day. We were up by six and we ate breakfast, washed and dressed before the lads appeared promptly at eight. They climbed into the back of our Land Rover and we left our campsite. Ali directed Alec to drive through their village, Beni Chakora, to a cooperative farm. There we saw a variety of farm machinery and tractors, plus a well-used and maintained combine harvester. There were substantial barns, one housing several fine Hereford bulls, a cow and twin calves. The labour-intensive farm was set in a rich green valley, sprinkled with beautiful wild flowers. I sat down on a grassy bank to enjoy the country scene and made a daisy chain, while Alec wandered around with the lads. Jen, it's time to go, called Alec. The lads want to take us to their home. OK, coming. We returned to the location of the previous night and turned left off the tarmac road and down the earth track to a one-storey house nestled in a depression on the side of the hill. Entering through the doorway, we stood in the courtyard. Grapevines clung to the inner walls. Ali introduced us to his mother, his aunt, his older sister and two younger ones. There were no men around, as they must have been away at work. We were welcomed into the aunt's bedroom and given chairs to sit on. Coffee was served, hot steaming black, an intensive flavour. I looked around the pink-washed room. Hanging on the wall in a place of honour was a framed photo of Huri Boumedin, the Algerian president. The room was modestly furnished with a large wardrobe, a bed, a dressing table, blankets and a couple of bulging suitcases. Perfumes and soaps were arranged on a table. A two-month-old baby girl slept peacefully in a swinging metal crib. The lads proudly showed us treasures their father had made. Picture frames, caskets and model houses made of shells, crystals and matchsticks. Their mother could only shuffle about with the aid of a stick. She sat down on a wooden chair, studied us intently and smiled. Ali's older sister came in and presented us with lunch. 
two bowls of couscous ladled with sour milk. We took the bowls and spoons and tentatively tried the food. And a quiet taste, I mouthed to Alec, and he nodded. We willingly ate the strange food until we could eat no more, as she had given us such generous helpings. With our lack of French, our conversation dried up, and it was time to take our leave. Preparing to go, we thanked the family for their generosity, and they requested gifts from England. I gave a necklace to the sister, a tin of sweets for the youngsters, three marbles to Ali, and a felt-tip pen for his older brother. Smiles all round in appreciation for the simplest of gifts. We bade them farewell and drove on south towards the Sahara Desert. Leaving the Atlas Mountains far behind, we went across the whole plateau, where the land was flat for mile upon mile. Far off to the west we could see an extensive lake with the surrounding land beautifully carpeted with white, orange, yellow and mauve flowers. The earth looked sandy and was strewn with rocks and cultivated with fir trees, many of which had died. Look, way in the distance, Alec. Can you see the Bedouin camp over there? Yes, and there's a shepherd with his sheep. Say, Jan... You'd better start making detailed notes of the land that we pass through, just to keep a record in case we go off course. Write down the mileage and what you see around at that stage. It will prepare us for when we have no marked road to follow. All right, I'll jot it down in the diary as we go along, I replied. 3,810 miles, rolling plateau, crossed a dry riverbed, Sparse vegetation on distant rocky hills. 3,830 miles. Plateau of rough, rugged land. A herd of camels. Few horses, donkeys and cows were grazing. First sand dunes spotted on the horizon. 3,850 miles. Rolling hills. Clumps of tall mauve flowers bending in the breeze. 3,855 miles. Jelfa, a topsy-turvy town, nothing much to offer. 3,902 miles. Plateau surrounded by rocky hills with tussocks of grass. The colours of the landscape have changed from shades of green to grey and now to brown. 3,907 miles. To the west there is an unusual collection of trees growing, an oasis. 3,911 miles. 25 miles north of La Goutte, we camped on the plateau. Alex studied the landscape using the binoculars. I can see another Bedouin encampment way over there. Alec pointed in the direction I could just make out the tent. We settled down for the night and made plans to approach the camp in the morning. We were hopeful of being invited in to visit their tent, as it's customary amongst Muslims to offer hospitality to strangers. We had experienced much of that during our stay in Oman. The next morning after breakfast, we pulled up a distance away from the tent, noticing the large flock of sheep and goats. Before long, a black-bearded man walked over to greet us. He shook Alec's hand firmly and then clasped his hand to his chest in the cultural way. He beckoned us to follow him. We entered the tent a repaired striped wool-woven blanket supported by wooden stakes thrust into the ground in a hexagonal shape 
with a taller stake at the centre. The interior was divided into two by a blanket wall, the family space on one side, the other section for the young animals. Two lads brought in the lambs and kids and tethered them inside the tent, then took the greater flock away to graze. A tiny white kitten, tied to a post by a long cord, played with the frayed, tussled end. Two donkeys grazed nearby. One was still loaded with green fodder tied to its back that must have been collected early that morning. One of the donkeys brayed with great enthusiasm, welcoming us to the camp. He made me smile. The man's wife placed a well-worn grey blanket on the ground, in front of the tent, and our host invited us to sit down. His wife then disappeared behind the blanket wall to reappear with breakfast, goat's milk, coffee, dates and bread. Then she withdrew into the tent. The other young children, dressed in sparse, tattered clothing, watched from a distance, unsure of us white people. The father tenderly cradled his youngest in the lap of his robes, a cheery baby daughter who gurgled when he tickled her feet. It was a surreal moment in time, one in which to take a photograph would have cheapened a rare and treasured experience. So we simply sat and enjoyed this brief encounter in a nomadic family's home. Again, the language barrier meant our verbal conversation was a non-starter, but somehow the man was able to communicate sufficiently to ask if we had any children's clothes. Unfortunately, we didn't, but I found a small towel in the Land Rover and handed it to the man, hoping it would be useful. It was time to leave, so we bade the family farewell and drove to the desert town of Lagurt, where we briefly stopped to look around, but there was little of interest on that day. We continued on our journey, crossing the flat gravel desert where dust devils swirled across the ground. Clumps of maroon flowers struggled for survival, their heads just above the gravel. South of Tilhunt, the straight road changed as it snaked between the rolling hills. Huge rock boulders were strewn about the land. We passed by a palm tree oasis of Berian. Four Algerian men prayed by the roadside, having parked their truck nearby. A very long camel train was observed far in the distance on the horizon. We finally arrived at Gardia, which was situated in a valley. It had been a long, hot day and we were in need of a pick-me-up, so we went looking for the nearest tea room. A refreshing treat, we sat beneath the palm frond shelter, sipping sweet mint tea, served in small, sticky glasses. We were glad to have reached the day's planned destination. The actual Sahara Desert crossing was closer now and we would need to make preparations before going on further so we looked to find the whereabouts of the official campsite for overlanders. We were told at the police station to take the road east towards Urgla. We drove in the direction the policeman had indicated, and before too long we arrived at the walled camp. Alec honked the horn, and the guard inside the compound opened the big metal gates. We entered and joined many overlanders with their vehicles. Four couples from Berlin were travelling in two well-equipped trucks that even included welding equipment. A couple of the guys worked on their ex-military motorbikes, ready for a rip-roaring ride in the desert. We found a space alongside a white Ford Dormobile, 
which was occupied by a New Zealand couple. After supper, we invited them into our Land Rover for the evening. Ian was an electrician and Barbara a veterinary nurse. They were similar in age to us and had spent the previous three years working in London. It was interesting to discover that they had planned the same route as we had and even intended to ship their vehicle from Kenya to India. Such an enjoyable evening spent chatting in our mother tongue. The 181-mile drive during the day, along with the emotional impact of visiting with the Algerians, meant we were glad when Ian and Barbara decided to leave and go to bed in their van. It was an unusually noisy night, with the locals partying in the nearby compounds. We took a while to settle, but eventually we succumbed to the deep slumber of the weary. Total distance driven, 4,066 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.